0: Okay, great. So, uh, welcome once again to our uh, Shoshinge session for the month of March. Um, We are continuing our study of Shoshinge. Uh, Again, if you are just joining us for the first time uh, this evening, uh, or if there's any sessions that um, you haven't been able to join and you'd like to go back, I do occasionally kind of refer back to. Um, topics we've discussed in previous sessions, we do have an archive on the San Mateo Buddhist Temple website that has uh, all of the previous sessions. So if you go onto the website, into the study classes and seminars section, um, you can find uh, an archive of all of our uh, previous sessions. Um, so I encourage you to uh, check those out. Um, and then also if you wish to go back and revisit this uh, conversation for this evening, Uh, you can do that as well. Uh, Watch as many times (laughs) as you like, uh, if you wish. And the handout uh, for this is also there on the Samiteya Buddhist Temple website. So I'll be sharing my screen uh, during this session, but um, if you wish to uh, have it open on your own computer to be able to uh, review uh, at your leisure. Um, we'll certainly welcome you to do that. Um, and then you can, again, go back. Uh, if you're watching this on the website, it'll be just just scroll down a little bit and you'll see the handout here and you can print that out as well. So I will share my screen at this time and we can uh, begin our conversation about tonight's uh, topic, which is the uh, section of the Shoshinge from uh, the writings of Vasubandhu. Uh, So we can see we're on the 18th session. So we've been going through uh, the the various verses. We're uh, probably getting to be about halfway through uh, Shoshinge. We're doing uh, generally one verse per month. And uh, we've completed the section that's based on the Sutras, the teachings of Shakyamuni Buddha, and now we've moved into the section that's based on the writings of the seven masters. And so the shoshin itself is a kind of uh, summary, uh, a encapsulation of the essential points of the uh, Jodo Shinshu teaching, the Jodo Shinshu um, understanding. And the way uh, in which uh, Shinran Shonin presents the teachings is by referring back to the sutras, and then also the commentaries of the masters of India, China, and Japan, who clarified the meanings of the Buddha's teachings. And so my approach to this uh, study, to our, uh, our journey through Shoshinge uh, in the San Mateo session, is to try to uh, identify the sections of the sutras or the commentaries, that uh, Shinran is basing these teachings on, so then we can see what is it that Shinran was reading that inspired him uh, to these teachings, and uh, and also in doing so, we get a sense of Shinran Shonin's uh, his distinctive way of uh, appreciating these teachings. So for today's session, we have this verse uh, from Vasubandhu. We talked about Vasubandhu last month. We'll be also talking about him uh, next month. Uh, in Japanese, his name is uh, Tenjin Bosatsu. And so the Jin of Tenjin uh, is also Shin, for Shinran. So Shinran took one of the, the kanji characters, one of the Chinese characters that makes up the name that he chose to um, express his life uh, as a follower of the Buddha's teachings. Uh, from the name of Vasubandhu. So it shows how important Vasubandhu uh, really was for Shinran and his his understanding of the Dharma. Vasubandhu is a major figure in uh, Mahayana Buddhism as well, and so if you've studied other Buddhist traditions, you've likely come across him, uh, perhaps uh, his teachings on the uh, yuishiki or the consciousness-only school. Uh, as well as um, some of his works in the kind of Abhidharma, um, the, the commentaries of the kind of Buddhist me- metaphysics. So what, what we focus on um, in our tradition is the writings uh, that he did on the Pure Land Tradition, which uh, apply that kind of uh, that perspective and that wisdom uh, to these these teachings of, um, of the Buddha. So... Uh, to get into uh, the topic for today, uh, let's begin by reading uh, this verse from the Shoshinge. He discloses the mind that is single, so that all beings be saved by Amida's directing of virtue through the power of the primal vow. When a person turns and enters the great ocean of virtue, necessarily he joins Amida's assembly. So, for Shinran Shonin, uh, each of the seven masters has a uh, distinctive contribution to our understanding of the Pure Land tradition. And for Vasubandhu, uh, that important contribution is this idea of the mind that is single this uh, uh, single-minded focus on uh, Amida Buddha, on uh, Amida Buddha's primal vow. And so with that that single-minded focus, um, that heart of deep entrusting that we also call Shinjin, if you read uh, the collected works of Shinran, you may have come across this term Shinjin or the entrusting heart. Um, So with that single-mind, that focus mind, then says that the heart turns. You turn your your heart, and you enter the great ocean of virtue. It says necessarily, he joins Amida's assembly. So he Amida's assembly. Amida is the Buddha of immeasurable wisdom and compassion. Um, this this space here. This is our butsudan This represents the Buddha's world of enlightenment, and so. Uh, our path to enlightenment in the Jodo Shinshu Pure Land tradition is through, we say, birth in the Pure Land of Amida Buddha, by entering into that world, joining that assembly, and then in the presence of the Buddha, we immediately attain, uh, attain awakening, right? So uh, I want to begin by just saying a, a little bit about this, this idea of the mind that is single, the mind that is single, um, you know, I think so much these days, our minds are going in a million directions at once. This has certainly been, you know, my experience, um, you know, this past year, uh, few years, it seems like, you know, one crisis to the next um, in our lives, you know, first, the pandemic arrives if we want to just start at that point you know there were the crises before that um you know the, the the first you know uh the previous presidential election and you know uh all the each with each election cycle there's like a crisis but you know the big one you know that's that sort of i think of is the, the pandemic begins and then you know everything gets turned upside down and you know our, our minds, there's all of the day-to-day things we have to do, but then in the midst of that, there's, oh, what's happening with this pandemic? Is it getting better? Is it getting worse? And then, uh, then of course, we had... Um, you know the the very sad and tragic uh, murder of George Floyd and all of the uprising and the um, you know the the Black Lives Matter movement and a, a very sincere kind of reckoning with race in this country um, and then that's you know that's another you know real real crisis uh, for us um, and then you know then there's another presidential election um, and then following that election. You know, there are all of the events, you know, of the, uh, you know, uh, January 6th, you know, the insurrection at the Capitol. And then, you know, the pandemic still doesn't go away. We have the variants and the next surge. um, And then just as the pandemic seems to be kind of you know, settling down Omicron variant, and now we have um, all of the, um, you know, the difficulties uh, that are happening in Ukraine at the moment with the, the invasion and all of the people whose lives are being uh, displaced and severely uh, affected. And so, you know, it really feels like, you know, moment to moment, um, you know, day to day, there's always, you know, we're, we're living in this constant state of crisis. And how do we navigate that? How do we uh, live in this world? Because our Jodo Shinshu tradition uh, is not a Buddhist tradition of retreating from the world. We don't uh, leave the world and go off and live, you know, in the mountains, secluded from the world. But ours is a Buddhist practice of living in this world. Is our this this everyday life of ours is our ground, is our place for practicing the Dharma. And so how do we cultivate that, 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 that single mind of focus on the Buddha's teaching? And what does that mean for our daily lives? How does that uh, affect our experience moment to moment of, of living? So this is really uh, a very essential point in the buddha's teachings and so today i want to look at these teachings of vasubandhu and reflect upon uh what does it mean to cultivate this this mind that is single um singly focused on on what and uh, then how does that become expressed uh, in our daily lives and uh, vasubandhu who was writing um you know around the uh second century ce so, uh, you know, close to, or actually, you know, not, rather, I'm, I, I misspoke, I was thinking of, um, I was thinking of Nagarjuna, um, but still uh, Vasubandhu, you know, uh, still writing, much, much later, over, uh, almost, well, over uh, 1500 years ago, writing in India, um, and yet his teachings continue to have uh, uh, relevance uh, to, to our lives today. Um, so let's let's look at this, this teaching. So his, his main teaching, the main writing of Vasubandhu is called the Treatise on the Pure Land. Um, and the Treatise on the Pure Land uh, is composed of two sections. And I've provided excerpts from uh, those those two sections. There's a verse section and a prose section. So it begins with a section of verse, like uh, like Buddhist poetry, you could say. And in that section of verse, uh, it expresses kind of the essential meaning uh, of um, the Pure Land teaching. And so Shinran Shonin also does that with Shoshinge. So this is a common practice in Buddhism. You have a larger body of prose that provides uh, in-depth explanation. And then you have uh, a kind of condensed section of verse, uh, which expresses the meaning in a way that can be incorporated into ritual life. So before we began this discussion uh, from 6 p.m., uh, we did our chanting of Shoshinge, And so these sections of verse are often chanted and able to be uh, repeated and even memorized. Uh, so that the essential meaning is kind of uh, imbued into our, our bodies and our minds, and then we can refer to the prose sections, uh, which provide the more in depth explanation. So in the case of Vasubandhu's treatise, the first section uh, is a section of verse expressing the meaning. And then he provides uh, a prose explanation that, that goes into that in depth. So I've selected two verses here. Um, the first one is the opening verse of his um, of the entire treatise, the opening uh, verse of this, the, the, the hymn. Uh, and it says, O world-honored one, with the mind that is singled, I take refuge in the Tathagata of unhindered light, filling the ten quarters, and aspire to be born in the land of peace and happiness. So the you know, the first thing, the very first, you know, in the first line, he talks about the mind that is single. And then he says, I take refuge in the Tathagata of unhindered light. That is Amida Buddha. So I spoke a little earlier about Amida Buddha. Amida means. Uh, immeasurable or unhindered, and it can either refer to the light or the life uh, of the Buddha. And it fills the ten quarters, right? And so if you can if you look at um, this image of of Amida Buddha here, you can see those beams of light are going right to the edge of the scroll. And that represents that the uh, they fill the they fill that scroll in the same way the light of the Buddha. Uh, fills fills all ten quarters, all the directions of the world, and uh, and then Vasubandhu says, "I aspire to be born in the land of peace and happiness," and that's that pure land, that world of Amida Buddha, that world of enlightenment, which we aspire to uh, enter into. So this is really kind of the nature of pure land uh, Buddhist living, is to live with this deep aspiration. To enter into the land of peace and happiness. And even though we live in this confusing, tumultuous uh, world that's filled with, you know, at times conflict and delusion and so forth, living with this aspiration for the land of peace and happiness. This directs our lives to take refuge in the Buddha, in the midst of everything that's going on, to make that, that one Thing uh, upon which we focus our minds, uh, that can give us a lot of strength and clarity for living in in this world. So next, I'd like to move on and talk a little bit about this next this next section, section thirteen, uh, of of the verse that says, "Contemplating the power of the Buddha's primal vow, I see that no one who ever encounters it passes it by in vain." It quickly brings to fullness and perfection the great treasure ocean of virtues. So we looked at this this section thirteen, this verse, uh, we looked at this uh, last month as well. Um, and so you know I would encourage you to if you wish to go back and, and look at that section. Um, and this today I wanted to to talk about. Both this idea of uh, contemplating the power of the Buddha's vow, so that focus of the mind is the contemplation, and what the contemplation is focused on is the power of the Buddha's primal vow, which is the the primal vow is uh, the eighteenth vow of Amida Buddha, and um, you know we've talked about that too in in previous se- sessions as well, um, and. The the power of the Buddha's primal vow is the power of the Buddha's compassionate vow to liberate all beings from suffering. So the Buddha vows that all those who aspire to be born into the world of peace and bliss and who uh, recite the name of the Buddha as an expression of their gratitude, their single-minded and trusting, that all those beings are able to realize this land of peace and bliss, to enter into this uh, state of awakening. And so um, in doing so, right, it brings them into the great treasure ocean of virtues. right. And then Vasubandhu, uh, he talks more about this uh, in the the prose explanation. So I'd like to uh, progress and kind of look at that uh, at this at this point, um, so so the 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 main structure that I want us to look at tonight is this idea of the five gates of mindfulness. This is a really uh, important teaching that uh, Vasubandhu provides. And so mindfulness is kind of a buzzword these days, right? I don't know, has it has it gone past its peak? I wonder. Um, you know, I feel like maybe five years ago or so, I mean, it was like everywhere. There were, um, you know a member of the U.S. House of Representatives had written a book about mindfulness, and, you know, all of these people had, you know, it was just everywhere, mindfulness for dummies, and, um, you know, there now it's become kind of uh, so mainstream that they even teach mindfulness in schools, and it's become completely um, kind of taken out of its Buddhist context, right, but this, you know, much of, these mindfulness teachings do have a grounding in Buddhism, Buddhism, and people often kind of come to to the temple kind of seeking this 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 mindfulness. Um, it's become uh, kind of a uh, an aspect of Buddhism that's very attractive to people. And so, uh, what we have here is a, an ancient Buddhist text that talks about mindfulness. And looking at it this way, we can kind of see what it means from a, a traditional Buddhist perspective, and it's a little bit different. You're not going to find anything about lowering your blood pressure or being able to concentrate so you can do a better job at work uh, here in Vasubandhu's writings, um, but I think we also find that, that he describes tremendous uh, and truly meaningful benefits, too. So, Vasubandhu describes the five gates of mindfulness. And he says, um, How should one contemplate that land, the land of the Buddha, and awaken the entrusting heart? If a good man or woman accomplishes the practices of the five gates of mindfulness, he or she will eventually be born in the land of peace and happiness and see Amida Buddha. So, what are the five gates of mindfulness? They are one, the gate of worship, two, the gate of praise, three, the gate of aspiration, four, the gate of contemplation, and five, the gate of directing virtue. And then, uh, so Vasubandhu then goes on to explain what each of these five gates mean. What does this mean? So uh, he says, how does one worship, right? One worships by one's bodily acts, the tathagata, arhat, the perfectly enlightened one, out of an aspiration for birth in that land. So one worships by one's bodily acts, amida, the tathagata, arhat, and perfectly enlightened one. So um, what what Vasubandhu is doing here is he's saying, okay, there's uh, the single, the, the mind that is single, so the minded and single involves uh, this, this worship. And worship is kind of a complicated word, right? It has a lot of um, uh, kind of loaded meaning for people. Uh, a lot of people say, Buddhists don't worship. You know, we don't do worship. Um, but there is this deep devotional aspect to Buddhism. Um, you know, the, uh, the meaning, uh, the, the, the Chinese word for this is actually bowing, bowing before. So of course we do, we do practice uh, bowing. So this is uh, bowing for, I mean, bowing before Amida Buddha. And when we do bowing in Buddhism, it's not like we're bowing to a god, there's something kind of outside of us. But when we bow our head, we're uh, causing the sort of the, the, the ego-centered, You know, uh, selfish, arrogant, lazy (laughs) self. To uh, to to show show reverence to um, how shall we say to um, to elevate the awakened mind of the Buddha. And so this is something that we do at the temple. So for us, when we come into the temple, the minute we step into the temple hall, we do a little bow, right? Because Amida Buddha, there's that statue of Amida Buddha there. And we're not bowing to that piece of wood, but as we come into this space, we're recognizing that, okay, our aspiration is for this enlightenment that's larger than myself, right? And then we come up to the front, we do our incense offering, we bring our hands together in gassho, like this, and then we bow again. So... This uh, practice of bowing is to bow to Amida Buddha, to worship in the sense of worship as the sort of bowing in reverence uh, to Amida Buddha. So, you know, not to our new car, not to our favorite pop star, you know, not to our favorite restaurant, but to, to the Buddha, right? So there's this single minded focus on. Um, this uh, bowing before the enlightened one. Okay, then the next one is praise. So, one praises by one's verbal act. One says the name of the Tathagata. So, Namo Butsu. that's the name of the, 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 the Tathagata, in accord with the Tathagata's light, which is the embodiment of wisdom. One wishes to be in correspondence with the significance of the name, by practicing in accord with reality. So this, um, this praise this praise is uh, to say the Nembutsu. And so it is to, once again, in that same way, that when we do our physical bowing, we are with our body expressing our sense of the sort of the narrow, limited sort of ego self me um, bowing before the, the Buddha, awakened one, when we say Namo Amidabutsu, it's that same uh, sentiment, but with our words, right, to say uh, these words of, I take refuge in, in the Buddha, and I, I speak of how wonderful the Buddha is, right? and so that is, uh, again, to direct our speech, our words, to awakening, okay, And then so the next, the the fifth gate is the gate of aspiration, aspiration. So how does one aspire? One aspires in one's heart with the mind that is single. One wishes ultimately to be born in the land of peace and happiness. One desires to practice shamatha in accordance with reality. So this word uh, is pronounced pronounced shamatha uh, in Sanskrit. And this is a Sanskrit word that means um, a focused mind, a mind that is uh, calm, like a calm pool of water. So if you think of of shamatha, it's uh, to make the mind calm, perfectly calm, like a pool of water. And then once the water is calm, then we're able to see a reflection. We're able to see Things as they truly are in the reflection of that, that calm water. So shamatha is to calm one's mind. It's also called samadhi, to calm the mind like a pool of water, right? And so uh, that calming or focused of the focus of the mind is based on this wish to be born in the pure land. So it's the, fo- the mind is focused on this wish to enter into the Buddha's world of enlightenment again, the single, the mind is single is like, that is the important matter. Um, So, you know, there are all kinds of things we wish for. You know, we wish to get into a good college. Um, You know, we wish to get a good job. We wish to get into a good relationship with somebody or, you know, to get into a club or, you know, to get into a stadium to get to watch a a special sports game or something like that. Um, But Vasubandhu is reminding us, well, you know the important wish for our life is to enter into the world of enlightenment. Make that the focus, and in the midst of all these other things you're doing, I mean, you can go to the 49ers game, or you know, go to college, or or get a good job. But with with that uh, primary focus on entering into the world of enlightenment, then our way of living is transformed. Okay. And then next, he talks about the gate of contemplation. So, how does one contemplate? One contemplates that land out of wisdom and right right mindedness. One wishes to practice vipassana vipassana, uh, in accordance with reality. This is the word, this is the Sanskrit word, vipassana. So, if you've heard of vipassana meditation, that's what this is talking about. Um, The contemplation is of three kinds. The first is to contemplate the virtues that adorn that Buddha land. The second is to contemplate the virtues that adorn Amida Buddha. And the third is to contemplate the virtues that adorn the Bodhisattvas in that land. Okay. So um, I wanna talk about the relationship between Shamatha and vipassana, And um, so, Shamatha is, again, that, that pool, that calm pool of water. Then vipassana is the reflection that you see. It's that insight. So uh, that's why vipassana meditation is called insight meditation. Maybe I'll just say vipassana so that we don't get too confused. But um, so to practice this vipassana is insight. So if you think about it, your mind becomes calm, and clear. And then in that you see things, you come to understand things. Like if you're having a, like a, a problem, something's stressing you out, you can't figure it out. And then maybe you go for a walk outside, you go to a nice walk uh, outside in a park, um, or you go and you go to the gym and you do some exercise or you get on your bike uh, or your skis or something and you, you get outdoors uh, and you do something or maybe you're just you know you're just cooking and focused on something that you're preparing, and then your mind calms and all of a sudden you know oh you have a, a moment of insight and clarity into it, into that, and so um, what Vasubandhu is saying is that for those who aspire to enter into the pure land into the world of enlightenment, the that clear reflection that we strive to see that contemplation is the the buddha land right so thinking about what is amida buddhas what are the virtues of the land the virtues of the buddha and then uh that those virtues of of those who are born into that land so that environment uh you could think of the environment the teacher or or the hero the buddha and then um how our lives are transformed, um, because we aspire to be those bodhisattvas in that land. And then uh, finally, uh, how does one direct virtue, the directing of virtue? Um, And so uh, in our tradition, whenever we chant something, we conclude with a section of verse. that's and that is the the directing of virtue the literal meaning is um that uh, I, I vow that with this this merit this virtue that I have accumulated from doing this chanting I will um, I will freely give that to all beings with the aspiration that we may awaken the mind that aspires for enlightenment and together be born into the the buddha's world of peace and bliss so the idea that as we create virtue we don't just keep it for ourselves but we share that with others and so vasubandhu says while constantly aspiring in the heart never to abandon any sentient being in suffering one takes the directing of virtue to them as foremost This is because one wishes to fulfill the mind of great compassion. So um, again, this is is something that we do uh, at our temple. We chant this this direction of merit uh, dedication. However, um, what we find is that um, the merit is actually not directed from me to other beings, but from the Buddha to us. And so we're receiving that merit from the Buddha. And it is through that Buddha's uh, directing of virtue that we are uh, carried forward uh, on the path to awakening. So we have these five gates, the gate of worship, right, which is this kind of physical expression, bowing. This is kind of the, the, the most basic step, right? You've got to come into the temple first, you know, whether it's physically coming into the temple or logging onto the Zoom meeting, but we begin with gashou know, and, and bowing. So there's that, that initial uh, situating yourself, even if it's this evening, sitting down in front of you know, your computer, your iPad or your television, uh, logging onto the meeting, you're situating yourself in this place. So that's that, that gate of worship. And then the praise, the saying, Namo Amida Butsu, speaking of the, the wonders of, of you know, the Buddha's wisdom and compassion. And then focusing focusing the mind, hearing these teachings, right? Thinking about buddha's world oh I, i skipped i skipped the aspiration didn't i so there's that you know the hearing and then that hearing is is that aspect of of wanting longing to be born into this world and then to take that step of of focusing and concentrating on it and then with the benefits that are received to to share those and to bring those out into your life and into the world so, um, we've got these five gates worship, praise, aspiration, contemplation, and directing of virtue. And then uh, at the conclusion, Vasubandhu provides a very uh, meaningful kind of explanation of this. So, um, he says there are five gates. The bodhisattvas have fulfilled these five uh, kinds of virtue in order. Reflect on this. What are these five gates? The first is the gate of approach, right? So coming into it, that, um, the, the gate of um, the, uh, the worship, right? The, the gate of approach, the gate of the great assembly is the second. The third is the gate of the grounds. The fourth is the gate of the residence. so it's like you're coming into this space, right? The fifth is the gate of sporting, the, the gate of the state of sporting uh, in the gardens and forests. Concerning these five gates, the first four gates are the fulfillment of the virtue of entrance, and the fifth gate is the fulfillment of the virtue of emergence. So what this means is that um, as we go through this process of uh, first the worship, the praise, the aspiration, the contemplation, so these are bringing us to the understanding of the Buddha Dharma bringing us to the to the appreciation of the buddhist teaching so we're kind of coming into the presence of the buddha coming into this world and then the fifth gate is the gate of emergence so having received that insight then going out and sharing that with others so The first gate is the virtue of entrance. They worship Amida Buddha with the desire to be born in the pure land. They are thereby enabled to attain birth in the world of peace and bliss. This is called the gate of entrance. In the second gate of the virtue of entrance, they praise Amida Buddha by saying the name in accord with the significance of the Tathagata's name and practicing in correspondence with the Tathagata's light, which is the embodiment of wisdom. They are thereby enabled to join the great assembly. This is called the second gate. So uh, it talks about Shinnan in, if we think back to the section of Shoshinge, Shinnan talks about how they turn about, and when they have that turn of heart, then they enter Amida's assembly. So that this this imagery of, of going into, coming into the Buddha's world, this gate of entrance, joining the assembly, Uh, The third gate uh, is the, uh, in the virtue of entrance, they think solely on Amida Buddha with singleness of heart. So this is the gate of aspiration, the single-minded aspiration to be born in Amida Amida Buddha's pure land, right? And so there are countless, countless pure lands, as many as Buddha, as there are Buddhas, which is as many as the sands of the Ganges, there are countless pure lands, but um, Vasubandhu is saying, for those who wish to receive this benefit, they think solely on Amida Buddha and aspire to be born in Amida Buddha's uh, pure land. Um, and once there, they perform the practice of shamatha, the sam- samadhi of tranquility. That's that that uh, calm pond, that calm pool. And they're thereby able, enabled to enter the lotus-held world. This is the third gate of entrance. And then uh, the fourth gate of entrance, so they're contemplating, so they've entered into the Buddha's world, the, this this uh, pure land of enlightenment, and then they're contemplating all of the different adornments there, how wonderful that world of enlightenment is, and they practice Vipassana, and they are thereby enabled to reach that place and enjoy the various tastes of the Dharma. This is the fourth gate. So so through this, they, they, they calm the mind, and then they receive these insights, and they are able to enjoy the tastes of the Dharma, able to see things clearly. And then with that insight, then there is the virtue of emergence, going out, going out. So with great compassion, They observe all sentient beings in pain and affliction and assuming various transformed bodies to guide them enter and sport in the gardens of birth and death in the forests of the blind passions with transcendent powers, they attain the state of teaching and guiding sentient beings. This is brought about by the effect of the original vow that the Bodhisattvas had established. This is called the fifth gate of emergence. So having received these benefits, having received this peace of mind, then the bodhisattvas go out into out into this world, the gardens of birth and death, the forests of blind passions, in the midst of this hectic, crazy world that we live in, then attain a state of guiding, teaching and guiding sentient beings. So if we think about this in terms of, you know, our own lives, um, you know, as we go through this process of, you know, for example, coming to the temple, sitting down at our computer, uh, you know, hearing the dharma, gasho, bowing, saying the nambutsu, aspiring for birth in the pure land, reflecting upon what that means for ourselves, and attaining insight, then our lives change, right? Uh, the direction of our lives is transformed. And so with that transformation, then we're out in the world and we're interacting with people and we're doing things. And um, that single-minded uh, prioritization of the Buddha in our minds, that becomes reflected in our way of, of dealing, dealing with people. And so Vasubandhu says, know that the bodhisattvas fulfill the practice of self-benefit with the first four gates. So um, the worship or bowing, the praise, the aspiration, uh, and the uh, contemplation, those are all bringing peace of mind for ourselves, right? And they fulfill the practice of benefiting others with the fifth gate. So the, in the receiving those benefits for oneself, that enables us to go out and to help others. And so we'll get into um, this in greater depth when we start to look at the teachings of Tanluan, who is the first of the Chinese masters and the next one that we'll move on to. But um, for Xinran and for Tanluan. This idea of this balance of of receiving the benefit for oneself and then directing that benefit for others is really important. And it's a really important aspect in the Pure Land path because birth in the Pure Land isn't just about, it's not for the purpose of making my life better, but rather it's through that awakening that we are able to to help others. and. The way of appreciating this is that it's possible not through my own efforts but through the working of Amida's primal vow. So it's actually Amida Buddha's directing of virtue to us that enables us to to fulfill this path. So then it says by performing the practices of the five gates in this way the bodhisattvas accomplish both self-benefit and benefiting others, and thus they swiftly attain the supreme perfect enlightenment. So on this handout, um, I've also included some uh, writings from Shinran's Hymns of the Pure Land Masters. I'm not going to delve into those in depth um, this, this month, um, I wanted to, to open up for some questions and discussion, and maybe we can refer to some of these in our discussion. But I encourage you to take a look at these, and um, we'll look at them in greater depth uh, next month. So this section on Vasubandhu, last month, February, this month, March, next month, April, there will be a kind of continuity, and we'll be circling back uh, on some of these, these concepts and these ideas, but I wanted to share these hymns for you now for your reference if you'd like to read and, and explore these and um, we can talk about them um, you know, more in the discussion time. So um, what I'll do is I'll stop the, uh, stop the screen share uh, at this time and also uh, conclude the recording and then open up for questions and discussion nam man 何万だぶつ。